Persistent back pain can be scary, but it's rarely dangerous. Persistent back pain can be distressing and disabling, but it's rarely life-threatening, and you're very unlikely to end up in a wheelchair. So you just heard from Joletta Belton, a prominent patient advocate, presenting the first fact from a scientific paper published in the prestigious British Journal of Sports Medicine earlier this year. Joletta was one of 10 people with a lived experience of pain who presented the 10 scientific back pain facts from that paper, which we discuss in episode 4. In episode 5, we also heard patient stories behind the facts, which many of you have given great feedback on. But today, look, welcome to episode 11 of the Empowered Beyond Pain podcast, proudly brought to you by Bodylogic Physiotherapy. We're so grateful to have your ears to bring evidence to, and we hope you're well wherever you're listening in from. Episode 11 corresponds with fact 1 of the Back Pain Facts paper, and we'll be diving into the depths of exploring these facts over the next 10 weeks. While the episodes have a particular focus around low back pain, the messages actually apply to pain in all body parts. In today's episode, Professor Peter O'Sullivan and I talk many things back pain, but one is the slightly backwards funding model in current pain management. If you'd like to help in the quest to start funding back pain care that has a large evidence base, instead of funding care that has a small evidence base, which is what currently happens, the easiest way is to spread the messages you hear in these podcasts. As always, relevant links to research papers, infographics, and websites that Pete and I discuss in today's episode can be found at www.bodylogic.physio forward slash podcast. And remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? So, Pete, thanks for um, taking the time out again. We're going to discuss back pain facts number one today. We've just heard Joe Letter talk about the fact, which is that, um, well, the myth is that back pain is usually as a result of something serious, yeah. and the fact is that low back pain is usually not a serious or life-threatening condition. Mm. I think it's probably important to just talk about, um, well, first of all, define low back pain. Yeah. So back pain is, um, or low back pain is defined by pain that is from your T12, which is like the lower part of your back. So you've got your thorax, which is this bit, and then below that is your back. And then usually between pain between there and your buttock cheeks. So any pain within that area is defined as back pain. And of course, back pain can be caused by lots of things, which is partly what that fact is about. Um, although there's a general belief, I think, in the community that if you've got back pain, it's likely to be something really serious and it could even be life-threatening. Um, and certainly there are some causes of back pain that can be serious. Um, and... Um, you know, any healthcare practitioner has to be alert to those things. So um, examples of um, like a serious condition would be a fracture. Um, so it might be some kind of traumatic injury. And I've certainly fractured my back, came off a mountain bike, landed over the back over a log and it crunched. And I had severe pain and it was, you know, fractured a couple of bones in my back. It was extraordinarily painful. Um so there's a good reason for that. <laughs> like if you've broken a bone before, you're going to know about it. So there's a trauma that results in a tissue damage, which causes immediate pain. Um, there are other causes of back pain, which are way, you know, again, not common, um, like an infection in the spine. Very uncommon. It's something that may present um, 
uh, for someone who might be, uh, you know, had an intravenous injection or yeah. it's somehow there's an infection that's tracked into your body, into your spine, uh, it's usually li- linked to um, severe pain, night pain, fever. Um, so you want to be aware of that. But, but usually those problems go to emergency department. They don't come to see people like me in a primary care setting. Um, and then you can have malignancy. So, um, you know, there are some cancers that can affect the bones or even the structures within the spine. And certainly I have seen patients um, who have had uh, back pain uh, that has arisen from those, you know, that kind of cause. And that is serious and can be life-threatening. Um, so you definitely want to identify those things. Um, and, you know, there are predictors of those around a previous history of cancer. So if you've had a melanoma or a breast cancer, for example, then a secondary a cancer could present itself in the bone, which could be in the spine. Um, I've seen a young person with intrathecal tumour, mm-hmm. so tumour within the spinal cord. Um, very rare, but it, they do present uh, and we have to be really alert to, to identify them. But it's a very small group of patients. Um, and then you have other causes like um, uh, uh, inflammatory disorders. So um, spondyloarthropathy, which could be an inflammatory disorder that could affect the structures around the spine. And that's something that a rheumatologist would, you know, a blood test could identify inflammatory markers and link to that and that's often linked to a lot of morning stiffness and you know response to anti-inflammatories and discomfort at rest etc so there are there are key kind of um uh, things that you would be alert to as a clinician that may um uh, suggest that there are other causes that are going on in terms of back pain the the, the fact is though the that these kind of Causes are really rare, like 1% of the population present with them, and often they don't present to primary care, but they may, and we have to be alert to them. Um, And then we've got to refer them on for further investigation. Um, The common cause of back pain is quite different. I mean, there are other causes like um, uh, where there may be a structural problem, like a disc prolapse, but that's usually leg pain. So people will be saying, I've got pain radiating down my leg, they may have some numbness or some lack of power, and that's because there may be some nerve compression around the nerve. Incredibly painful. Um, and, of course, in those situations, if you've got a loss of bladder function, bladder or bowel or sensory loss in, around the perineal area, that's an immediate referral for scanning and potential surgery uh, because that is a serious condition. That can compromise... Um, someone's continence, for example, and, and I've certainly had a case in the last year where that is the case. I reviewed this person. They were operating that, la- that night, and they've had a hard journey since then uh, where to regain their continence and sensation in the perineal area as well as regain power and sensation in their leg. So they are the kinds of things we have to be alert to as healthcare practitioners to go, there are these, there's a checklist of things we've got to screen for to make sure it's not serious. But the great news is the majority of people, 95 or even greater percentage of people, it's not in that category. And that's a problem for people because often we think the worst. I've got back pain, oh my God. And yet it's like a really small group where that is going on, where the natural, for the majority of people, the natural cause of back pain is really different to that. And it's a whole different story. 
So that's for the 95% of people, that's yeah. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. So, so in that group, that 95%, yeah. what would you say the cause is? Yeah. So what we know is um, there are different kinds of pain. So um, all of us have had pain from spraining an ankle before. Yeah. Uh, and it's really painful, but we know that your sprained ankle is going to get better. If you, you know, you might have to take it easy for a couple of days, but you keep yourself moving, you get that ankle mobile, you get it strong, and you'll be back running and jumping and doing all your normal things, and your ankle will be back to normal, should be, within a few weeks' time, back into do the, doing the things you love. So you can sprain your back, and we often hear this with people who do a sudden loading event, or they're deconditioned, they lift something you know, way heavier than they expected, or they have been sitting all week and they haven't been doing much exercise, they get out, they dig a whole lot of holes in the garden, and then they go to bend over and bang their back, you know, acute back pain. Incredibly painful, um, uh, can be incredibly painful, but we would call that a back sprain. So that's where you sprain or strain your back, um, and that's like an acute tissue strain with a muscle spasm, it's really painful, it can be very disabling um, and limiting, but the natural history is that will get better really quickly. So within a couple of weeks, the majority of people are significantly better, and within you know six to eight weeks, they should be really well on the way, a bit like an ankle sprain. Um, then there are different kinds of pain. So you've probably had a headache before. I've had a headache before, and you might have had it from drinking. Well, I don't drink so much, but um, you might have had a headache also because you're really tired and run down. Uh, and so I had, a, I had a bit of a virus um, over the weekend. I had a splitting headache. Now, I knew I hadn't banged my head. I hadn't damaged my brain. I didn't for a moment think I had a brain tumor. I was run down, tired, under pressure, and I had a splitting headache. And what did I do? I went to, had a bath, <laughs> went to bed early, you know, chilled out, um, didn't push myself so hard, uh, and just gave myself time to recover. Headache resolved. Now, backaches can present like that. So we know that um, you can develop back pain at a, at a time of your life when you're under stress, um, where you're run down, you might be under pressure, and, and that can emerge without any injury at all. And so that's like a backache, um, which we would see no differently than a headache. But it might be really painful in the back, just like a headache can be really painful, but you know it's not because you're damaged. Now, we often don't think of backache like headache. We often think of backache as like, oh my God, what's going on? Where with a headache, we wouldn't think, oh, brain tumor. You'd think, yep, I've had a tough day. I need to. Well, hopefully, you don't think the brain tumor. Now, if that back, if that headache persisted day after day after day, then you might think, hang on a second, what is going on? And the same with backache. If the natural history isn't recovering, and it may be because you haven't addressed other things in your life that are driving that process, mm. and that's something we see very commonly. And the other thing I think that happens around that is often um, when we get pain, we kind of go, well, what do we think it is? And we often go into protector mode. And so often when we have pain in a body part, we guard that part. And by guarding, we start, start reducing the movement. And it can actually make the pain worse. Um, uh, rather than the, the thing that you want to do is to relax and move and get going and get back to stuff and care for your sleep and your general health and your mental health, and often those that kind of pain can subside. Um, uh, and I, I think there's a hybrid. So you can have, for example, we see this in, say, a work situation um, uh, where, you know, I, I can think of a case where they strained their back and 
there was all these other factors. So the, there was work-related stuff. There was work and compensation stuff. The person was under a huge amount of stress. That is not an environment the body, like an injury, can recover in. So you can actually morph from an injury pain, and when the tissue's healed, it becomes another pain. And that's when pain becomes persistent. So it's a bit like you sprain your ankle and you start over-protecting that ankle and you start guarding that ankle. You start thinking something's terrible wrong with that and you start not wanting to use that ankle. And I've had a case I saw yesterday just like that. Oh, the day before, just like that, where six weeks later, that ankle's not getting better, it's getting worse. Mm. And in the same way, back pain can become like that. So the original sprain is well and truly gone. That was the what we call nociceptive pain. That's like pain from a strain. Uh, and and the inflammation settled, and then it's morphed into something else, which is where the whole nervous system gets involved, where you start overprotecting something and guarding it and start fearing it and worrying about it. And that's when the nervous system starts creating a different kind of pain, which is often called nociplastic pain, which is like pain that emerges where there is no injury. And that can morph, that can emerge from a point of stress in your life, but it can also transition from an injury into that kind of pain. Mm. If that makes sense? Yeah. So there's lots of reasons why you could have pain, and sometimes they're really, really simple, and sometimes they're a lot more, lot more complicated. Um, I saw a lady on Monday who said, you know, if it wasn't for you, I would have my back fused, and all I had to do was relax my back. And Same. I'm so grateful that you helped me work that out. Yeah. So sometimes there are biomechanical drivers that are linked to our beliefs that make us overprotect or guard body parts, mm. that's really unhelpful mm. and it actually can make pain worse. But it's not serious, it's not life-threatening, but it can seriously mess us up in terms of um, uh, the impact it has on our life. And the pain that we feel as well. Like absolutely. still be high levels yeah, of pain absolutely. without that. Yeah, and that, that is a really hard thing to, to realize. But, you know, I can think of um, times in my life um, where I've had back pain, one linked to a fracture, another time linked to a very stressful time in my life, another linked to a, a like a major repetitive physical load. Each of them probably were equally as painful, but I know each one was related to different kind of pain. Yeah. And so the way I managed it was really different. The fracture one, I knew I had to let it heal. So I had to just go sensibly, kept working, kept moving, kept exercising, but I didn't do a lot of stuff that would overload my back because I need, I, the bone needed to heal. Well, the other kind of pain is like, yeah, I know what you are. Go to get some rest, get good sleep, care for my health, get active, get moving, relax, get going. Yeah, and that speaks to that kind of individualized management based on the specific contributing factors exactly. for that person at yeah. that moment in time. Exactly, and that's the where the case, the patient on. story is so important. And, mm -hmm. and unfortunately... Because you've got this diagnostic vacuum, which is called back pain, where like 95% you go, what is it? Um, then we go, we kind of lump everyone in the same category. We, clearly, there are different drivers and triggers and different pain types that may be present in different people. And then our job is to work that out Yeah, absolutely. and then target it. I just want to touch on um, the idea of non-specific low back pain. Mm. We talk, talked about it in last week's yeah. episode with Sam Bunsley. Yeah. Um, the 95% that we're talking about is the non-specific yeah. back pain, and that's a yeah. label that yeah. researchers probably have used yeah. to describe that. Yeah, and it the, really annoys patients, yeah, and it absolutely. really annoys clinicians. Yeah. <laughs> so we talk about that yeah, just so briefly. I think it's a really helpful, it's an exclusion label. That's to say, to me as a clinician, 
be reassured, this is not cancer, it's not an infection, it's not an inflammatory disorder, it's, it's not a fracture. Be reassured. And there's no specific, clear specific pathology where there's nerve compromise or neurological deficit. So now that you've eliminated that, you're sitting in this other category where there's no serious identifiable pathology or tissue damage. So be reassured. Mm-hmm. Like, then you go back to basic principles and you go, sprain ankle, what would you say? Well, a sprained ankle, there's a mechanism. So you know you sprained your ankle. What were you doing? Oh, you did that. So, okay, that's a sprain. So what would you say to someone with ankles? Well, you want to go, oh, God, my God, you need to rest that up and you shouldn't go to work. You might say, look, mate, you're probably better off backing off. You first make an estimate as to the degree, you know, the significance of that. And then you would give simple strategies to say, look, it's really important we keep that ankle moving. It's really important we get you, gradually get you strong because there will be an inflammatory tail you know, you'll get pain secondary to some kind of tissue strain. And then we're going to get you fit and active and strong to get you back to loading that ankle up and moving it in, in, a, in all directions so it's strong and capable of doing that. Back pain is exactly the same in that way. Mm. Um, and I think to say that you just, there's nothing, we don't know, there's nothing wrong. Well, that de- doesn't, it defies logic. Yeah, in my mind, because the patients come in telling you, oh, mate, I'm telling you I've got this problem. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, I saw a guy um, last week, he came and he said, I've seen all these people and I know there's something wrong with my back. But the, the x-rays, all they show is I've got wear and tear, but I presume that's been there for a while. I want to know what it is. And this guy had adopted a, a, a strategy of movement was highly provocative to his back. Simply changing it took his pain away. Mm. Now... You go, well, can abnormal or can altered movement or abnormal protective guarding provoke pain? Yeah, it probably can. Mm. Is it dangerous? No, it's not dangerous. It's not dangerous to tense your body when you move, but probably doing it a lot and a lot and a lot over time could sensitize tissue, make them really tender, which means that you just keep provoking it. It's a bit like doing that to your finger. You can do that probably for a couple of hours, probably do it for a few days, we get a bit sore, and we'd probably say, you know what, it's good to bend it the other way. So we would see it that way in terms of backs. It's like they like movement. They like variability. They like to be strong for task. Um, You know, healthy spines are mobile, strong, fit spines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you highlighted a nice example before that talked about um, the, you know, headaches and people wouldn't necessarily worry about headaches Mm. the same way they do around back pain. I just Mm. want to kind of talk through a little bit of a scenario. So let's say, for example, I've just hurt my knee and I walk down to some a random person in the street and say, mm. look, I've hurt my knee. Mm. Um, they might say, oh, that's, you know, that's unfortunate. You know, mm. Maybe rest it up for a bit if you've injured it, but then get it loading, get it moving and get it mm. strong again. Mm. If I saw that same person in the street and I said, oh, I've hurt my back, mm. straight away the alarm bells might go off in their mm. mind and say, oh, wow, you're too young to have a back pain. Mm. Um, you know, this is a, It's going to be a downhill spiral from mm. here. You've got to be careful with your back. You've only got one. Mm. I know a good spinal surgeon or my yep. uncle had back pain and he had to be off work for the rest of the time. Mm. So there, there's a clear difference in terms of mm. the fear that it, that the label of back pain has. Yeah. So I was wondering if you talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So it's a really interesting question. It's something we have explored um, because we've done quite a few studies looking at back pain beliefs, both in really young people like in adolescents and in older people like baby boomers. And what we've seen in the population is there's a general pessimism around back pain. Ben Darlow in New Zealand's done some pretty cool research as well, asking people what they think about backs. And the, the, the key quote from his paper, which is the lead of his paper, was um, easy to hurt, hard to heal. Hard to heal 
No. Yeah, yeah I think it is. That. Easy to harm, hard to heal. Yeah. Um, and that view is that the back's a really vulnerable structure. And once you've got it, mate, be careful because that could be with you for a long time. Now, where does that come from? Um, is a really great question. And if you ask people, um, it's probably a bit like a, um, uh, an urban myth, I think, that mm. has become pervasive in our community. Mm. And it's probably been reinforced through occupational health and safety and through the messages that we give people, like, my God, be careful. We don't say in a workplace, be careful how you bend your knee. Mm. Be careful how you bend your elbow. Yeah. Goodness sake, be careful how you use your shoulder. Well, they might say some of that. But the big message is be careful how you bend your back. Because if you're in a manual job and you hurt your back, well, we know what happens to you. And so we've got the firefighters back, the farmers back, the nurses, nurses back. back. We don't have the nurses' knee, <laughs> nurses' elbow. We have the nurses' back. So there are whole industries that have kind of stigmatized back pain as something really threatening. Mm. And look, back pain can be really painful, mm. and it could emerge. And it's common in those um, in those in those trades, but it's probably made worse by the fear that is induced around it and the misinformation that goes with it. Um, and, you know, I, I had, a, again, a farmer um, just today who, you know, traveled some distance to come and review with me. And he's like, I've been told I need a fusion. And I, I don't want it. And, and he's thinking terrible things about his back. And, and it's completely ups, ruined his life. But there are very simple things he can do to help his back. No one's given him. But it's around a belief that is, oh my God, my back is this, and it's I can identify it on a scan, and my scan shows I'm wearing out, and and that's a whole other story around the roller imaging, which is what often happens in our community now, is that you get a scan not to reassure the person they don't have the one percent. It frightens them by telling them there's all these things wrong with their back that actually is normal. Yeah, we have a whole episode. <laughs> so we created another monster by using pathology that is normal as a diagnostic label, which frightens a whole group of people, which you know creates another catastrophe. And so we, we have created this monster in our community around um, frightening people with back pain um, giving them these myths around the the natural history is bleak, you know your pain is going to persist, mm. and and we've kind of create it's like fulfilling a self fulfilling a prophecy. Yeah. It's like we set set the disaster up, and then we've over treated it, and we've over imaged it, and then we've told people to be careful with them. We've told them to you know keep these rules, which are really unhealthy for backs. Mm. Like guard it, protect it, don't use it. You know we don't tell someone with a knee, God don't don't bend that knee. Mm. But we see, I saw a young lady today who hasn't been her back in years. Mm. And she's in, in real trouble. Someone told her not to bend and she's done it. It's a really common society, <laughs> society belief as well, it's, isn't it? It's nuts. And actually, if you think about it, just from a very basic point of view, someone said to you, mate, don't bend your elbow. Yeah. Because you might hurt it. Well, you'd have a pretty limited time. You wouldn't better eat much. Yeah. But actually, that's what we're doing to people in our population. We're giving them these crazy rules around what is good and bad for their back, and then that, those rules govern them, and it really disrupts. It really disrupts their life. Yeah, absolutely. I think those rules kind of come from a good place, typically. Yeah. I think originally, but, where, but where... they come from a lack of understanding of the nature Correct. of back pain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and these are old. These are old thoughts that are not evidence informed, yeah. but they've just been self-perpetuated over time. Yeah. 
you kind of mentioned the self-fulfilling prophecy. That was one of the points that I sort of had written down. I think if, you know, we we then create, yeah, like you said, a big vacuum for ourselves. If mm. if we if we think if our brain's getting messages of threat and danger, mm. Mm. then ironically, we end up producing mm. more you know, inflammatory cytokines, yeah. chemokines, yeah. and our yeah. system becomes more sensitive yeah. as well. In fact, there's, neurobiological a very, yeah, there's a very cool paper um, um, from our colleagues in Denmark that look, giving people scary information before they exercise and looking at their, um, their tissue sensitivity response. Yeah. And the scary information before engaging in activity made their local tissue more sensitive. So biologically, it makes complete sense that our nervous system protects us when we're doing things that potentially could do us harm. So those diagnostic labels can be really threatening. Yeah. Or like you said, it could be that my, um, my parent had a back problem and yeah. had a fusion and my terror, my fear has become like that. Yeah. Um, totally understandable. Yeah. But, you know, to make people realize that they're not their father. Yeah. And that their journey could be a different journey. It's and not also, the same journey. Also, the opposite is true as well. If you um, have credible evidence of safety, mm. that can reduce your pain as well. Yeah. And look, I think the other thing that's probably worth pointing out here is um, this, this issue with the scan is really contentious. So, for example, if I took an MRI scan of your back and it showed disc degeneration. Now, do I know that is or not relevant? Because we know that there's a high prevalence of disc degeneration in people with pain. But we also know it's common with people without pain. Yeah. And I see a little bit like, you know, you've got changes, like OA changes in your knee. Mm. So if those changes emerge really early in life, they're not so normal. Mm. Um, if they're there at the age of 50, they're pretty normal, mm. right? If they're really advanced, though, at the age of 40, that's not very normal. So when we have a look at a, a scan result, you've got to correlate it against the person. That's number one. Does it match the person? So the guy I saw today, I basically said, look, if I normalize how you move, your pain gets worse. So that's telling me there's nothing serious going on with you. Pain gets because, better. Sorry, your pain gets better. Yeah. So if we get you to relax and stand up and use your back as it's designed, it feels better. Yeah. You can't do that with damaged backs. Yeah. You can't do that with fractures. You can't do that with prolapse discs. It doesn't work like that. When you normalize movement, it gets worse. Right? It's like, tell someone with a broken leg to just walk normally. It doesn't feel good. I tried that with a shoulder once. It didn't work very well. Um, but, you know, so part of our um, process of reasoning with someone is to do these experiments with them to go, okay, let's just check you out. Let's examine you. Let's look at what happens when we get you to relax and move normally. And if it feels better, there's a really high chance there's nothing seriously going on with you. Your body's just in protective mode. Yeah. And so rather than judging someone and saying, look, mate, you know, you, there's nothing wrong with your back, which I think is Very never helpful no. um, because everybody's back pain is real and back pain can be really destructive to mm. someone's life and Huge. very distressing yeah. and hugely disabling. So it's not to trivialize it, but it's to just say that it's, it is a really important problem that is, got, that is serious for you, but it is not life-threatening. And that so it's and that probably isn't very reassuring for someone when yeah. it is threatening their life in terms of the impact of pain yeah. on their lifestyle. But then it's to say, look, there are other factors that we can address. Yeah. It can't change what your back looks like, but it can change how you think about it, how you use it, your confidence in moving it, your ability to engage with things. And usually that's a journey that makes people feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And you probably don't have to change what their back looks like. 
well, you definitely don't have to change it to no. fancy stuff. You know? And look, I, I think the longer I've worked as a clinician, I'm forever amazed at what people's structures are capable of doing in yeah. irrespective of what they look like. Yeah. I am amazed what they can do. I've seen backs that you know you would look at and just go, oh my goodness, and watching people move with those backs who move normally and without threat and without a sense of discomfort, and then I've seen people with perfect-looking spines who are profoundly disabled. Yeah. So, you know, what your back looks like is, you know, in some cases it's a great predictor for those specific pathologies, fractures, acute prolapses, progressive stuff, 1-5%. But a lot of the time, they're just opportunities to frighten people. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of a time, um, a, a case that I, when I was in Nepal, I had an, an international placement in Nepal. We were working at a university hospital over there. Mm. And we saw this guy who had a really large scoliosis, so an S-curve in his spine. Mm. And um, it was... Yeah, phenomenal how large this curve was like yeah. parts of his um upper thoracic spine was touching his lower thoracic spine basically and, wow. and um i was all right well, this is a case that i'm going to go see for pain mm. and um so we started sort of examining and asking questions and he said oh no i'm not here for my pain i'm here because i'm having trouble breathing mm. so exactly. that for me was like yeah. a really big experience to yeah. say okay well, hang on a second like if this yeah. guy can have yeah. this sort of looking yeah. scan yeah but he's not, he's not here for yeah. his pain. He's here because he can't breathe because his lungs are getting yeah. compressed. Yeah. That, that really stuck to me. And we um, get so worried about a leg length difference of a centimetre, yeah, like how exactly. low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like those things don't really count. And I think it's a real trap for physio, physiotherapists and people working with back pain is we often look for things that don't matter. You know, we often examine stuff that really doesn't, it's not predictive of anything. Yeah. We look at asymmetry. Asymmetry is normal. No superhuman beings are built the same. All of us have got asymmetry somewhere and yeah. it's a normal part of being a human. Um, that's, they're red herrings in clinical practice. Yeah. 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 What is it? 90% of people have a leg length discrepancy yeah. greater and, than a centimeter? And, and then clinicians are always wanting to homogenize it. I get this ridiculous ad that keeps popping up around trying to make people sit with postures look like, like this. Well, go do that for a day and you'll See how probably won't feel too good. <laughs> but these rules that we put on people, just so they're not kind. They come from some archaic part of our past, I think, mm. around prescribing what people, human beings should do. I don't know, they don't make much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, and like they're them. not supported when you look at when you try to test them. No, exactly. it's strong strong beliefs in mm. clinical practice, but they're they're not supported mm. when we try to yeah. see whether they're true or not. Yeah, um, I want to sort of wrap it up for the listener. I also wanted to briefly touch on the burden of back pain. Mm. Why are we doing ten episodes mm. just on back pain facts? Yeah, that we published. So back pain, amazingly, is the most disabling of all health conditions in the world. Yeah, it's huge problem <laughs> amount of money spent on back pain is enormous days lost for work um medications you know how opioid crisis a good chunk of that is spent on back pain so it is a huge problem in our society um and i think the more we've thrown money at it the more we treat it the more we scan it the more we advise people to do scary stuff the worse we've made it and we know this that the burden of of disability-related back pain has actually got worse over time. Mm. Um, we know there are people in our population have back pain who never seek care. Mm. They're not disabled. I'm one of them. Um, I get back pain, mm. but I, but it 
doesn't worry me. Mm. And I engage, I, it reminds me to keep active, keep healthy, go to bed on time, mm. do those kinds of things. So I'm lucky that, you know, I have an understanding of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but for other people, it can have a devastating effect on their lives. Yeah. And the problem is, and we know this from research, that if you look at the things that predict someone had with an acute episode of back pain not getting better, they're not things like what your scan looks like. Yeah. There are things like your beliefs. If you yeah. have beliefs that this is a terrible thing and it's not going to get better and that this is something I have no control over and that I need to take time off work and I need to go out and protect it and rest it, those are the things that make back pain get worse. Mm -hmm. And that kind of feeds into this negative emotional stuff around fear and worry and distress, which we know fires the nervous system up to become overprotective. Mm -hmm. And linked to that are all the physical components around guarding and protecting yeah. and tensing a painful structure. That's the mess that we've got at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And so we've got a huge job um, as a profession, I think, um, and as a society to try to change the narrative around back pain, yep. to de-threaten it and actually reassure people that um, back pain can be managed well and effectively if you have the right mindset and if you have the right coach and you have the right yep. approach. Yeah. And, and it will get better on its own for a number of people. And if it doesn't, get the right coach. But... Don't go and see someone who's going to frighten you and tell you, sit straight, don't bend, brace your core, come and see me three times a week for the next 12 months. They're not people who are giving you evidence-based care. Not go and find really, someone. So. Go and find someone who's going to become your coach to get you back to doing the stuff in life you value. That's the thing that makes the difference. Absolutely. And, and it's not an equal pathway for each person. And for some, it's a hard journey and for others, an easier journey. Yeah. And, and just in terms of cost as well, I mean, back pain is um, more costly than diabetes and yeah. cancer combined. Massive. Yeah. So Crazy just to cost. give some tangible yeah. um, But, you know, the sad thing around the cost issue is um, if you think of around the cost of care is that we're spending an enormous amount of money delivering care that has a very poor evidence base. Yeah, it's a lot of waste. And we're underfunding care that has a large evidence base. And that's a massive issue with the health industry yeah. is that there are vested interests and, you know, industries that are um, for driving care pathways mm. um, that are not really helping the problem. Yeah. I wanted to finish off with um, just some, potentially some advice, you know, so maybe the listeners or the, the patients mm. of the listeners mm. are probably more than likely they're in that 95% category. Mm. Mm. Um, what sort of advice would you give them, if, particularly if they're thinking, okay, I've got, I think I've got something seriously wrong with my yeah. back. But you're so, now saying that um, back pain yeah. is usually not uh, related to yeah, a serious Yeah, so I'd be going, look, if you're really worried about it, first rule of thumb is have you had significant injury? It's not been over picking up a sock. It's like a trauma, you know, big fall, you know, sudden loading event. Um, you know, could there be a fracture? Or maybe that you've got a, you know, I can think of um, uh, people who are osteoporotic where it's not a major event, but they've had an acute sure. They've had acute back pain. Yeah. But in saying that, those people get better as well because yeah. the yeah. bones heal. Um, bones are wonderful structures. They're bloody painful, but they get better, and they get better really well. Um, so number one rule of thumb is that if, you, if you're worried about something serious, you know, have you got a fever? Have you had cancer before? You know, those are the kinds of questions to ask. You know, have you got pain at night? that is, you know, you know, non-remitting and you've got a fever, then, you know, or you've got rapid weight loss and you've got other, you know, ill health that goes with it, yeah. go and see your doctor. Yeah. And there's no harm in getting checked. 
Okay, now that may involve a scan, and if you get a scan, just be aware that if you're, as you get older, the more stuff will show up on that scan. Mm. So be reassured that you will have stuff on a scan. Mm. So for me, I would expect stuff on a scan, and I had an MRI scan for a different reason, and I've got disc bulges and, you know, mm. narrowing and God knows what in my spine, but it's nowhere near where I might get sore. Mm. So there are a lot of things that are normal. Scans are very sensitive. So yeah. be reassured again. If it's an acute pain and there's a being like a sprain, then be reassured it will get better within a few a couple of weeks. Yeah. But do the right thing. Keep moving. Keep active. Use a heat pack. Gently move. Relax. Get mobility back into your spine. Keep working. Don't lie, don't rest, don't overprotect, and have a positive mindset, it will get better. If it doesn't get better, seek care. But seek care from someone who's going to provide you an evidence-based approach to managing your pain. Yep. And, and that usually is, don't let someone take over your care. Make you the partner in your care. So yep. that you're given stuff to be in control of your pain. And that's really important in health. Cool. And I think you have to be demanding of that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, there are a number of, uh, like the pain health websites, I think it's a really useful website, gives yeah. some really cool information around back pain. Um, the pain ed website has some wonderful information and patient stories that are can really reassuring. Mm. And I think for people who do have persistent disabling back pain, they're the ones who need to seek out care from someone who can take them on a journey. Mm. And it takes time. Uh, but make sure you're in the driver's seat yeah. for that journey, that you're not a passenger out the back waiting for something to happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a really good place to leave it. Um, thanks for your time, Pete. We also, uh, episode 14 is all about scans, so we do yeah. have an upcoming episode. Yeah, great. All about scans, so uh, make sure you stay tuned for that one. I'd like to thank you again for your time, Pete. Pleasure, Ken. See you in the next Always episode. A pleasure, thank you. Wow, what a cracker that episode was, if I dare to say so myself. If you enjoyed it, consider rating, sharing or subscribing. My take-homes, although pain is very real and can be debilitating and severe, the chances you have anything serious going on are very low, especially if you've had it for some time. Despite its convincing nature, back pain is very unlikely to put you in a wheelchair. Now I know these may be hard take-homes to swallow for some, so finding a trusted coach to help you along the way can be vital. Perhaps a silver lining of the coronavirus pandemic is that with telehealth now being so widespread, coaches are far more accessible than they were this time last year. Show notes for this page are available at www.bodylogic.physio forward slash podcast. And next week we dive into fact two, all about busting the myth that back pain is because you're getting old. But until then, remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? Please note, what you heard on this episode of Empowered Beyond Pain is strictly for information purposes only and does not substitute individualised care from a trusted and licensed health professional. If you would like individualised, high-value care for your pain, sports or pelvic health problem, head to the BodyLogic website and make an appointment. Theme music generously provided by Fervin and Cash. <laughs>